Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody doing great? If you're doing great, give me one of these right here. There you go. I want to do something real quick before we get started, and I just want to give honor where honors do. I'm telling you what, it is an honor to be part of a staff and a volunteer team that gets led into worship. This morning was out of this world. And so I want you to give the team, Jesus, a big round of applause just for being here. Man, I'm telling you, it's so good. And if you're joining us for the very first time today, um, I would encourage you, we're in the middle of a series uh, called Identity, and um, you may miss some things. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to Easter message and last week where Will Riddle spoke here. Um, But uh, it was interesting because I had a, a moment um, if you were here Easter Sunday, you knew that I was getting on a plane directly following uh, the third service, and I was getting ready to go turkey hunting, and I told you about going through like TSA and all that kind of jazz. Well, I had an epiphany moment. I had a moment when I was in the line that I- I'm telling you, it was one of those moments you just kind of go, anybody ever have one of those moments you're riding down the road, or it just God takes a moment in your life, maybe maybe in the shower, or wherever it is, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so I'm sitting there in the line, and I'm having, I, I already checked all my guns and my bags in, and I'm sitting there in front of this lady that's at TSA, and she has, and I'm exaggerating, she has a mask, she has a shield, and then she's got plexiglass in front of her. There is no way that this spit is going anywhere. That going to reach, right? So she goes, she's, she's having a conversation. I'm like, what? I felt like I was in the line of McDonald's. And you didn't know what you were going to get, right? You didn't know if you were going to get a quarter pounder with cheese with fries or you're going to get, like, God forbid you got a McFish sandwich, right? Like, because you ordered. So and I, I, like, I can't understand you. So she pulls her mask down and she goes, I'm asking you to pull your mask down. (laughs) So I pull my mask down and I give her my, I'm not happy with you face. Well, what she was trying to do is she took my driver's license and she was looking at my driver's license trying to match up if I I was in fact who I said I was. She goes, Mr. Smith, you're in fact who you say you are. You can come on through. I I could have told you with the mask up. So I'm sitting there going, and here's, here's what happened. A lot of us hide behind masks. Not, not, not a physical mask, but a spiritual mask. Or maybe an emotional mask. I think some of us hide behind religious masks. And we put up a facade in front and we act like we're spiritual and holy and all that kind of stuff. But deep down inside, we hope that nobody ever finds us out. We hope that the things that are done in the middle of the night that nobody else sees never come to light. And so we have this identity crisis because we're what we want to be, but we're actually, in fact, what we are. And that's how we view ourselves. And so this series is really important, guys. Like, this is one, like, I've been, I've been leaning into this one here personally for the last three or four months. And today, I think we're going to launch into a whole new segment of this series. And we're going to talk about a couple different things about purpose over the next three weeks. But if you weren't here, I want to get everybody up to speed because week one, we took one passive scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, but we actually looked at several verses there and we talked about you're a brand new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And then we talked about you're reconciled with God and then you're called to be an ambassador. And what that literally meant was you are not who you used to be. What you were, listen, what you were yesterday, you are brand new right now. You have a choice. Like, I, I love this. The Bible says your, your mercies are new every morning. So that, you know what that means? I get up this morning and my, my, the mercies that God sent, the grace is brand new to me. I don't have to live in yesterday. I don't have to live in two weeks ago. I have to live what, what people used to say about me when I was in school. 
And then I'm reconciled with God, which means you are in right standings. That means you can literally go to the throne of God just the way you are. And third thing was ambassador. And I'm, I'm so excited about this because this, is, this has been eating at me for several months now about talking about God's purpose and what we're called to be. Um, week two, we looked at, um, and we'll, we'll uh, launch into the potential. I was down at Sherwood last week. I had a great time with our Sherwood campus. I like to brag, they're watching right now and they're participating, but Easter Sunday morning, we had 117 people down at our Sherwood campus. We started that campus in June with 16 people. So just to give you an idea, we baptized two people down there on Easter Sunday. And it's, yeah, I said this, um, I don't know if I said it here, if I didn't, I, I, everything gets messed up. I love days where we have more people getting baptized um, without t-shirts than with t-shirts. Like when they come up here and they have a life change t-shirt on, I go, well, they planned on it. But when we, so we, we had 12 scheduled to be baptized. We ended up baptizing 27 between the two campuses. That's amazing, isn't it? And so yeah, I, I would have thought there would have been better clap than that, but just, <laughs> just me. Just let's try that again. It was 27 baptisms. And just <laughs> See, God's a God of second chances and so is Bobby. So it's good to be, good to be here. So we looked at potential and I loved, and one of the things I talked about down here, down there was, that you're more than a conqueror. And it's one thing to be a winner, and it's one thing to be a conqueror. But God's called us to be more than conquerors. You know what that's like? It's not like an undefeated season. It's an undefeated season when nobody on the other team scored a point. You're more than a conqueror. You, you're, you're the best of the best. And then this week, we're gonna talk about, we're gonna kind of link arms with all these concepts of position and potential. And today, we're gonna be talking about your position in Christ and your potential in Christ. Contribute to the purpose that God has for you in Christ. And that's really where we want to go because that's where we find our true identity. And there's a passive scripture, and if I can just kind of be, kind of, I just want to be vulnerable and authentic today. There's a passive scripture that I've been reading over and over again for about the last two years. And this is the passage that, that and when I th thought of this series, when I started designing the series, this is a passage that I landed on. Like, this is, this is who we are. And so I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. You've read it before probably. If not, uh, just open your Bible. And uh, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the side screen. If you're in our U version, it's going to be there. And I'm going to kind of just read it, and then I'm going to talk through a little bit. But, but God, and I love the first two lines, the words, but God. Anybody else like but God? But all the crap that's going on in your life, but God. Like cancer was diagnosed, but God. Or, 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 or another storm is coming, but God. Or divorce happens, or financial problems happen, but God. And I love the but gods in, in, in Scripture. So we see that over again. So but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's our identity, folks, right there. I was dead in my transgressions. I was dead in my sins. I had, I had no future, and God gave me a future. That's where my identity is found right there. And then verse six says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Now, the next couple verses are like, when I think of this series, this is what I think of. Okay, so this is what it says. By grace, you have been saved through faith, meaning there's nothing that you can do to earn God. God doesn't get off the throne because you did another good work. He doesn't say, hey, Bobby, that was a really good worker right there. It's by grace that we're saved, lest we should boast. But here's the deal. And then he goes, says, not of results of work so that no one would boast. And then verse 10, but for we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them that we were created for a purpose. So, so many people go, I'm not saved by, by, by works. No, but you can tell your salt by what you do for him. 
that God has created us to do good things. We're called to make his name famous. And I want us to realize three things as we peel back, because I'm gonna, I'm literally just gonna break that passage down today. The very first thing is we need, you need, we all need to realize that you're a work in progress, that you are a work in progress. You are not a finished, completed project right now. Somebody say amen to that. Some of you think you're a finished, completed project, but God's still working on you. Thank you, Jesus. So many of us walk around this earth like, and then the other end of the extreme is like, God, are you ever gonna get working on this project? Like, how about this struggle I've had for years and years and years and years? Can you work on this one a little bit over here? Now, I wanna kind of define this because I think it's really important. Uh, first, we're all new creations in Christ. If you've asked Christ to be your savior, you're new, new creation. The old is gone, sin is gone, and you become new. The Greek word translated there when it talks about these good works is actually in different versions, different words. So I just read from the ESV. ESV means workmanship. And we get the kind of idea, it kind of gives us a feeling that like with old blue jeans and a flannel shirt and he's got a hat on, he's got gloves and he's working on the things in our life. Anybody ever feel like that? That God's just kind of, he's just kind of molding and he's shaping and he's taking this and he's digging this away and he's chiseling at that. The, the NIV, which I love the NIV, if it's one of those, it's just understandable. It's his handiwork. Wow, his handiwork. Uh, the HCSB, the Holcomb's Bible, says that we're God's creation. Remember, we talked about this in the other series. We talked about he looked at creation, he looked at man, he looked at woman, and what he said, it's very good. So when he says creation, I get the same feeling that he looks at Bobby, even in the midst of all his mess, and he says, you know something, there's something really good about this. The NLT, which is becoming my favorite reading uh, um, version, it says this, it says a masterpiece, masterpiece. You know something, if I hear one more person say that they were a mess up, and God's word's telling us, I'm not. God's word says we're masterpieces. We would never, ever, ever, ever look at a masterpiece and go, I could have done that. You don't look, I was over in Rome, Italy in 2015, and we went to St. Peter's Basilica, and we're looking at all the masterpieces. And I can tell you, I never one time said, I can do that. There's never one time that I looked at, my, you know, when I was looking at the, the David, Michelangelo's David, that I went like, I could chisel that out. Like, I said, no brainer, you can do that in an hour. No. And, and so why do we cut down on ourselves when God calls us a masterpiece? Why do we tear down the project that God's working on when God's called us a masterpiece? And then in the Good News Translation, which is a paraphrased version of the Bible, it said, God has made us what we are. I love that because there was years and years and years that people told me that I was supposed to be something else when God has made me what I am. And I used to hide my insecurities. I used to hide my problems. My wife used to joke with me that my, my issues have babies. You know what I've learned? God made me the way I am because there's other people in this room that they have issues and their, baby, their issues have babies, right? So who can, we relate to each other. We're family. We put the fun in, fun in dysfunction, don't we? I love that. Psalms 90. It's turned out to be one of my life chapters. And he says it. He says, like, I know the, the innermost parts. I know your intricate parts. And I created every one of them. And, 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 and it's just like he's crushing. It is good. It's good. It's good. And so we need to understand that we're a work in problem. God has made you who you are and what you are. But he didn't stop there. This is the really great thing. He's making you into what you can be. So you're not just what you are, what you, what you, he, he's, you're a work in, I used to say this all the time. I haven't said it in forever. God loves you just the way you are. How many people say amen to that? 
He loves us just the way we are, but he loves you too much for you to stay right there. That's why we talk about we're a work in progress. If I'm the same person with the same struggles yesterday as I am today, his mercies haven't done anything in my life. Okay, so I, I gotta get something off my chest. Can I get off? Will, are we okay? So just by a show of hands, how many people in the room on your phone, on your phone, have a bunch of those red marks with numbers in them right now? Raise your hand real high. I don't even know if you love Jesus. So, so I'm the guy, listen, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that's got to, in, in, at night, before I go to sleep, I got to delete them all. I'll guarantee you, you look at my phone right now, there's not a red mark on my phone. Because right before I walked up here, I cleared them all. Now you can say what you want to say, OCD, whatever it is, issues have babies. I don't know how it does it on the devil's phone, but on Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's in the Bible. Apple, yeah, it almost destroyed the world, but it's in the Bible. Okay, what's the other one? And, and, and Android, Android. So on Apple phone, I can do a thing called auto updates. And I love this function on my phone because every night, if there's updates, all my apps update, all my phone, everything that's on my, do you know that's what God does with us? This, this, this morning I got up and whatever I had yesterday, I didn't have to have today because he did an auto update on me. This morning when I woke up, literally I read the passage of scripture I just quoted. His mercies are new every morning. His mercy was new this morning. The sin that I had yesterday, I didn't have to claim that as my mantle. I didn't have to claim that as my identity. That's not my identity anymore. I'm a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's who I am. I had a conversation with a young guy. Um, I guess it was Wednesday night and he struggling, man, like struggling. And this morning he came to church and he sat, I told him if he comes to church, sit with me. So he sat right next to me and my wife was on the other side of my like, bro, bro, we got to switch. Like, <laughs> I like to hug my wife during worship sometimes. <laughs> and so he was sitting there and I, right before I walked up on stage, I walked past him. I said, you need to listen to every word today because this message is for you. He was brand new. He's got purpose. He's not what he was Wednesday night. He's not what he was yesterday morning. Listen, some of us need to hear that. You are not what you were yesterday. And God wants to make those mercies new. He wants to make you new. I love it because our heavenly father does the same thing every day, day after day. Uh, Romans chapter eight, and this, this, should, this should be something we're striving for. It says for this, whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the son. There's a, we're a work in progress. There's something happening. So I did this on Monday, Thursday with our staff. And I, I may have shared bits and pieces of this already. But I asked the question, and I want to ask you, think about this for a second. I asked the staff, I said, we were, we're doing our prayer time on Thursday. I said, if you, had 20, if you knew that you had 24 hours to live, okay, if you had 24 hours to live, what would you do with those 24 hours? Pretty deep, right? I'm not, not trying to be morbid. I'm a, everybody in the room said that they would spend time with their family. Uh, one person said, actually came up to me afterward and said, listen, you know, the one thing I would do is I would write a couple letters and ask forgiveness of a couple people that I know I hurt. 24 hours, if you had 24. You know why? Because it says a lot about you or a person, what you do in your last 24 hours. It says a lot about your character and your personality and who you're trying to be like and what you're trying to be. And then I led down the road and I said, this is what I said. I said, let's look at what Jesus did the last 24 hours of his life. Think about that. The very first thing he did is wash the disciples' feet. Wow. He bent down in all his holiness. He took off the priestly garbs 
and he washed feet. And then he was betrayed by one of his best friends. And he still offered unconditional. He could have blew up right there, but he didn't. The epitome, the picture of grace and mercy. He stands in front of Pilate. Pilate's accusing him of everything. He doesn't even defend himself. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, not your will, but my will be, not, not, not my will, but your will be done. How about on the cross? Father, forgive them for not, they don't know what they're doing. And he leans over and he looks at the thief on the cross and he says, today, offering unconditional love and grace, today, you'll see me in paradise. That was his last 24 hours. That's only the things that we know about. So when we talk about being conformed to the image of Christ, it's got meaning. That's just 24 hours. That's just one, one day. We, 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 God wants us. We're a work in progress. We're constantly being, being updated, and we're constantly having God do things. God created us to become in, in, the, in, in, in the image of him. That's what he wants us to do. He offers grace. And this is a real thing. And if he offered us grace, shouldn't we offer grace with the people around us? Here's one of the greatest kind of, it's a fallacy, okay? I'm, I want everybody to give me grace, but I'm not going to give anybody grace. You know, so the word tolerance in our world is so out of, out of bounds. So tolerance is this. I'm gonna, I'm a, I want you to give me all the respect. And I want you to listen to me. I want you to honor everything I'm saying. But in the world we live in, it's not a reciprocal agreement. It doesn't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get the same in, in return. How many times have we that, had that conversation? Whether it's politics, whether it's racial, whatever it is. I think, okay, so um, a couple years ago, I got asked to be a, on a beta team. Anybody know what a beta team is? So I got on a beta team when Google was coming out with email. And so they asked me to be on the beta team for the new, the new launch. And they literally said over and over again, just remember that this is a brand new program. There's all kinds of flaws in it. There's all kinds of problems. There'd be all kinds of make. We would love for you to just respond back with maybe the things that need to be fixed. They already set the standard that grace needed to be. It was grace was required. So I remember the first time they messed up, like I clicked a link and on the link, it sent me to somewhere else. I would be typing in Times New Roman, which is something I use, and it would take it to, you know, carrier or something. And I said, can we just have a standard operating procedure for fonts? It, it, was, it was one of those deals where there was grace. I knew there was gonna be mistakes and they were looking for feedback. Why don't we do that in the world we live in? Yeah. Why don't we ever offer somebody else grace with the same measure that was, grace was offered to me? D don't forget for a second, okay? While you were yet a sinner, Christ Jesus came to the world to save us. He, he, offered, he offered a pardon. He offered reconciliation. When we were still, we should be doing the same exact thing. We're all works in process. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. We need to realize, and we, 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 we need to realize that God has a plan. You need to realize that God has a plan for you. There's a specific thing, I love this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, what does that say? Beforehand, right? Isn't it up there? Beforehand. From the very beginning of the earth, long before you were created, he had a plan for you. He knew exactly what you were gonna be like. He knew exactly what was gonna happen in your life. The key phrase is God prepared beforehand. This means that God has a plan for your life. He has a direction that he wants you to take, a calling he wants you to pursue, a job he wants you to perform, and a ministry that he wants you to participate in. He has got a plan for you. It's interesting to me. Around here, we have a thing called shape. And I can see it in some of your eyes. You're going like, I don't know what God wants from me. Have you ever tried to figure out what God wants from you? Have you ever sat and talked to somebody from Next Steps? The shape thing is it helps 
find your spiritual gift in this. It helps find... Well, I didn't wake up this morning wanting to be a jerk. You know what happens in the church? I've been around church for 30 years now. So many people come. Now, I'm encouraging you to come every week. Okay? I'm encouraging you to come every week. But coming to journey and not serving is like going on a date by yourself. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It's awkward, right? Part of the process that God has for us, he's got a purpose. That we have been created for a person. We have, we've been created to do certain things. And so many times what happens, is it's like going to a restaurant. We go to a restaurant. Let's say we go to Cork and Flame. We go together. Like I take you guys out. And I say, hey, here's the deal. When the, when the, when the, when the bill comes, everybody bolt. Everybody just leave, okay? So you guys go that way, we'll go that way. How many people would do that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you would never in a million years do that because it's wrong, right? Do you know going to church without serving is the same thing? It's like having a great meal. You drop your kids off at that daycare over there. They get some fishies. If they're small, they get their diaper changed. Somebody say amen to that, <laughs> right? Lord knows we don't want a stinky, anyway. Get some good coffee, right? Music, right? And the preaching, let's, <laughs> let's just say, right? All God wants us to do is find our purpose and do something for him. Change the world around us. God has a plan. It's interesting, last week, and, and, and so many people think it's only when it's good, but I have learned that God uncovers my purpose way more in bad times than he does good times. And last week, I was down at Sherwood campus, like I said, and our worship leader down there, his name is Greg Manns, him and his wife, Whitney, um, a year ago, came to us and said, we want to take on the project down there. We want to be the worship. And they're doing a phenomenal job. Like, it is absolutely, if they're watching right now, so, like, amazing. And, um, but he was leading us in a song we do around here on the Evans campus quite a bit, uh, Do It Again. And so, you know, um, so he's leading us. But he stopped, and he started talking for a second. And he said, you know, I was thinking about this song, and in this song, the song's written about all these bad things that happened to Israel, like they were being chased by the Egyptians and the water was opened up, you know, all, all these different things. And he said, all the way back, all the way back in time, God's proven himself. And though he may not open Red Seas for us, he may not raise people from the dead for us, he wants to do the same kind of miracles. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says that, that the Bible says this, that even, like, we'll do greater, this generation's gonna do greater miracles than Jesus even did. And sometimes I ask the question, where are they at? Like, why are they not happening right now? But it was interesting because there's passages of scripture where we are almost afraid to claim because like, well, that's, you know, I can't do that. It's like this one. How many people have ever read Jeremiah 29, 11? Okay. And all you theological police, you can send all your negative stuff right now to Gretchen Shaw at journeycommunity.com. We don't have that account. So, so I read Jeremiah 29, 11. I've seen people, we can't claim, yes, you can. It, 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 listen to me. It's a universal principle that God wants to do so. But if you want to know the truth, let's look at the truth. Jeremiah 29, 11 was written by Jeremiah, and it started in chapter 28 because there was a false prophet that was prophesying heresy, and he was saying that all the destruction and all the death and all the captivity of the Babylonians was going to be done in two years. And Jeremiah comes on the scene and says, no, 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 hold on a second. God told me a real prophet, it's 70 years. 
So you better settle up and settle into what God's gonna do. Now, at the end of those 70 years and during those 70 years, God's gonna take care of you. Now, I'm gonna tell you, as a believer, that means way more than what a lot of people think it is. It's not just, wow, everything's great, and Jeremiah 29, 11, he knows the plans he has for me, declares the Lord, plans, plans not to harm me, but to prosper me. Like, in good times, I'm going, yay. But in bad times, I'm going, yay. Yes. And it means so much more to me because I know this. It's been in the bad times of my life where the purpose of God is coming out. It's been in the bad times of my life where the calling of God's come out. It's been in the bad times where the anointing has come out. That's what happens. It's easy to do Jesus. Listen, I wish I read the fine print just like you did. When I got saved, I thought everything's gonna be fine. Like there's never gonna be a problem. Every time I pray, God's gonna, right? Anybody else think that? And then, then all of a sudden, the first time I didn't get a prayer answered, or the first time somebody came against me, or the first time somebody talked about me, I'm going, what the, you know, you gotta be kidding me. Like God smoked them now. <laughs> don't, don't tell me you've never prayed that prayer. You're a bunch of liar heads. Smote them in the name of Jesus. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? I have learned more in the hard times. I've learned more in those moments. So I can say this. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future, even in the midst of struggles, even in the bad times, even when I'm still under bondage for 70 years to the Babylonians, I'm still gonna claim that God, you have a plan for me and you're gonna do something spectacular. You know why it's easy to do that? Because it's in those moments where we remember that we have a purpose and a calling. Um, in my office, if you were to go to my office right now, Behind me on my shelf is a clock. And it's, it's, it's a clock that is sentimental. When we first moved here, it's actually got a little plaque on the top. And it says, um, this is awarded to Bobby Smith, uh, Coach of the Year 2007 for Columbia County. And I, I, it's, 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 it's got some sentiment. Like it, in 2007, I took a, a soccer team, a girls soccer team to state championships. And we beat the full out of every team we played in Jesus' name and enjoyed beating them, because I like to win. So, um, so I look at it, and it has a nice little saying on it and all that. But, but you know why I like it? You know, you know why it means so much to me? It's not because of the sentiment. It's not because of the little handwritten thing. It's not because of the plaque on it. You know why? It works. It works. Anytime I turn around in my office and I look at my bookshelves, there it is right there, and I can tell what time it is. And so many times in our lives, we're waiting for this grand and glorious thing. That, you know something? God just wants us to work. He, he loves us just the way we are, and he wants us just to work. He just wants us to do whatever it is, whatever our coming. You may never do this right here, but you better do what you're called to do because I'm not called to do that. You, you better figure out what the calling is. Get involved in the class. Do something. And the third thing is this. We're going to close right here. We need to realize, and, and some people that are uh, played sports will understand this a little bit more, but realize that you're on the clock. So let me, let me explain this real quick what this means. In just about every sporting event, there's a clock that you can do certain things in a certain period of time. So in basketball, I think it's a 24-second clock. You, can, you have to shoot between, okay. So like in the NFL draft, anybody like football? It's coming up. They're gonna say, okay, now Jacksonville is on the clock and they have a certain amount of pe uh, minutes to pick another player that'll never turn out to be anything. So it's one of those... <laughs> Just saying. Let me say this. We're on the clock. 
Psalms 90, this is what it says. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. So 70 or 80 years is what we're, we'll get. Now, nobody knows the day or time and life is like a vapor and I get all that. And some people end up living to be 90 and some, you know, for whatever reasons, I'm not God. It says, yet their span is but toil and trouble and they soon are gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to your fear of, the fear of you? Now watch verse 12. This is Moses saying this now. So teach us to number our days that we may, get, we may get a heart of wisdom. What it's saying is to make the most of every day. That you're on the clock. That you have a responsibility to do. You have something you're supposed to do. And if you don't do it, it's not gonna get done. And I believe the moment, if you've asked Christ to be your savior, the moment that you asked Christ to be your savior, you had purpose like never before. And, and our response would be, when God says, it's like Isaiah, he said, whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. He didn't wait, well, I mean, let me do a cost-benefit analysis on this. Like, I got a couple things I need to do first. Like, my, my natural job, it's like this. When I was growing up, I was 14 or 15 years old, and I applied for my first job. And I don't know if you remember your first job. My first job, I wanted to be a farmer. I actually wanted to be a rancher. I wanted to move to Texas, and I wanted to wear a cowboy hat, and I wanted to wear cowboy boots, and I wanted spurs, and I wanted chaps, because they're cool. I wanted to be Yellowstone. Everything about it. Well, not everything, but most everything about it. Okay, most everything about it. I wanted to, when I, walk, I, when I go to Texas, we go to this place called Big O's. And Big O's is a, a barbecue place. And you've never had brisket until you've had Texas brisket. That's all I'm gonna say. So I, I, I walk, I'm sitting there the other day and I'm in my camouflage and I'm looking and these, man, these cowboys come, I mean, I'm talking about not, not what you see not riding bull cowboys. I'm talking about cowboys that do it. Like, shishing, shishing, shishing. And that was a woman. And she had a gun that was down to here. And she's like, shishing, shishing, shishing. And I had to ask, cause you know me, right? Like, what's that for? She goes for shooting things. I'm like, okay, <laughs> got it. Got it. So I wanted to, so when I got, when I went for my first job, I went to work for a farm because I figured that was going to get me into being Kevin Costner, right? Like I thought like, I got this. And so I go there and the guy, this is what the boss is, Tommy Smith. Tommy goes, Tommy goes, okay, when can you start? And I said, what do you say? Right now. I can start right now. And he goes, good, you got gloves with you. And I said, yep, I'll go to my truck. He goes, okay, get up in the top of that barn. It's 110 degrees outside. And he throws me up in a barn and there's like 82 trailers full of hay. And we're putting hay up there until 9.30, 10 o'clock. And I come out of there, boogers are black. I mean, it's just like, just all like, if you've ever thrown hay, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So I'm up there and I don't think, like, I don't think he thought I was gonna say right now. And I didn't think I was gonna say right now. And if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have said right now. You know, when we interview people around here, I've literally hired people because I ask, when can you start? And they'll go, it's right away. If they say three, four, five weeks, I don't know that I want them. There's a sense of urgency that people need to have, especially when it comes to the work of God. We're on the clock. There should be a sense of urgency that we have. I said this at Easter, I said, so many times, and I really do think this, I really feel, I really feel this. It's all about understanding who you are and whose you are. I was reading in a book this past week about a lady by the name of Sarah Culberson. She was born in 1976 in West Virginia. And um, when she got older, she was adopted. She was, she, her, her parent, uh, she didn't know what happened with her parents. She was put in the foster home and then she got adopted. But the time that she was about um, getting out of college, she decided she was gonna go on a quest to try to find out who her real mom and her real dad were. 
And she found out that her mom died of cancer when she was a teenager. And she started doing some research about her dad. And she was, she was reading the research, and as she's reading it, she was kind of questioning it. And this is what it said. That it says, your father is the ruling member, the president of the Mendy tribe in the Sierra Leone. So she reaches out to him, and the dad says, we would love to have you come over. And when she gets there, she is treated like royalty. She gets off the plane, and they have this mat with these two poles in it. And they put her on this mat with these two poles, and they carry her through the airport like a queen. And she goes, I'm just a girl from West Virginia. And her dad says, no, you're not. This is what he called her. He said, you are the Princess Esther Elizabeth. Listen, if we ever figure out who we are, this world better watch out. Listen, you don't believe that? You're a king's kid. Jesus died for you. When nobody else would give you anything, Jesus died for you. He loves you. You're a great worker. You're his workmanship. Your, your, your life your, not, your life is not about who you used to be. It's not about, you're, you're, you're a new creation. It's not about what you, you know, what you, you're more than a conqueror. You have the opportunity to be like Jesus, like we're talking about today. You, you have a purpose. And whatever you do, can you hear me on this? This is really hard right now. Don't quit. I, I shared something on Easter Sunday about wondering if God was done with me. And somebody walked up to me after the second service and grabbed me and I thought they were gonna punch me for a second. And they said, don't you ever quit. Don't you ever quit. I was reading about a little boy, a six-year-old boy, he was taking piano lessons and the piano teacher had told the class that there was gonna be this famous pianist coming. His name is Paderewski. And he was bringing this hundreds of thousands of dollars of Steinway piano. And the, the, the teacher was gonna set up a moment where the kids can see the piano and then watch the concert. So this kid's six years old, he's running all over the place. It's getting time for the concert. So his mom goes and sits in her assigned seats. She can't find her son, she's looking all around. And up on the stage, all of a sudden the curtains open. And there, as she's mortified, is her six-year-old son at the seat of this expensive piano playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Paderewski quickly notices what's going on and walks out. And he leans over the young man. And he takes his left hand and he starts playing the bass line to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And he whispers in his ear, don't stop playing. Don't quit. And he wraps his right arm around the other side and he starts these huge runs on the piano down here. And he leans over again. Just, just keep playing. Don't stop playing. Don't ever quit. And I think about the mess that we've made of our lives. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. And then the master's hands get involved. And it starts to become this great, as we've learned today, masterpiece. Don't quit. Keep playing. Even if it only sounds like twinkle, twinkle, little star right now, the master is about to put his part in there. And you're going to be, and it's going to be, a masterpiece. Somebody say amen to that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, God, we've had some fun. We've had a few laughs, but that's not what we're here for. That's not what's the most important. What's the most important here is that we've had an encounter with you. And I do. I want to thank you for worship. 
the opportunity to bow before you, the opportunity to tell you how big you are because that's what worship is. And God, that led me today to be where I'm at right now. It took years to realize that I was nothing without you. But with you, with you, I'm a masterpiece. And so maybe there's some people here in this room, maybe out in the atrium, maybe there's some folks that are watching online or down on our Sherwood campus. And maybe for the very first time, you're realizing that your life is a mess. And you've tried all the other stuff. And today you're confronted. It's right there in front of you. It's by grace we're saved, not of works. And it's because of that we get to become a masterpiece, his workmanship. And God, I pray that there's folks having that conversation with you right this very second. But I also pray, God, because there's other people here that, that maybe years ago understood this truth, understood who you are and what you wanted to do in their lives, but maybe for some reason they've walked away. Maybe, maybe life has just taken over. And today they're going, you know something? I want to get back to being. I want to go back to having purpose and being a masterpiece. And so I pray that you would help us and lead us down that road. I pray that you would be with us, God, as we uncover in the next couple of weeks what it really means to be your workmanship, your masterpiece, as we take and put practicals to it, God. I pray that you would be with us in a real way. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone in this room said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.